Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I got something I want to talk about to you. Welcome to Communication Mixdown. I'm Marie Maritan. This is the penultimate Communication Mixdown for 2019. And as we're, taking a, as we're taking a summer break, and I've got a special treat in store. With me in the studio tonight are three people who are going to talk to me about poetry. More specifically, we're talking about a fortnightly poetry night called Poetry Spective, held at the Pride of Alfred Square Community Bar. With me are Matt O'Keefe, who runs the bar, Liz Sketch, a poet and musician who hosts Poetry Spective, and Emily Collier, a poet and pl- playwright who was featured guest at Poetry Spective in early September. In some ways, the Poetry Slam story kind of starts with Matt deciding to schedule a regular poetry night at Pride of Our Footscray Community Bar in Footscray. Why a regular poetry night in a bar, Matt? Uh, we have tried to um, make sure that every single time that we're open, um, the people of Footscray can walk into Pride of Our Footscray and see amazing live performances. So we've had incredible um, singers and incredible bands, incredible drag queens. Um, we've found three drag queens in Footscray that perform regularly at our bar. Um, and we've also supported local artists. So we've had uh, some very talented local artists with artists with art on the walls, and we, and we allowed them to sell that. Um, we've had the walls um, painted by uh, local street artists. Some of the murals are, are done by local street artists. Uh, and what we were missing uh, was sp- a spoken word event. Um, and we had some uh, customers of ours who are very good poets uh, in their own right, uh, Lauren and Steve, uh, and they said to me one day, uh, Matt, we think our friend Lish would, uh, would consider this a good space for a poetry night. And uh, we thought we'd bring her in, and we brought her in, and the rest is history. She really liked the space, and she has been able to create a wonderfully unique and interesting poetry event, and uh, it's great to have that performance uh, at Pride. So, Emily, this must be exciting for you, the thought that a bar would have um, poetry. Is this, uh, what does that mean for a working poet? Yeah, I mean, it's so important. You know, poetry um, expresses itself in many forms. So, you know, there's there's the written word that you might send out to journals or publish online. But performing poetry live is really one of the most essential things for all poets, I think, or for most poets. And um, being able to do that in a relaxed environment is wonderful. And for me, being a Westie, I live in West Footscray, having venues that are close to home are just incredible too. So, And it really kind of, it acts as a little kind of magnet, I think. So it's it's for the local community, but it also pulls people in from all around. Um, it's just a wonderful place to go and feel part of a community, um, sort of hang out with poets that you already know, but also every time I've been to Lish's great gig there, I meet poets that I haven't met before. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it does that as well, which is, which is re- brilliant. Yeah. And so Lish, you are the linchpin. You, you're, you stand between Matt and the poets and the public. You're the host of the show. Um, tell me, you, you've hosted these kind of nights before. What is, what is it about poetry that attracts you? Well, I 
wanted to start a reading in the West that was local for me personally and also something that would draw people from all around Australia and possibly even overseas. And uh, amazingly, that has actually happened, So, which is a really good thing. Um, but I wanted to bring a reading that was slightly different, which is why I decided on having one poet that reads their own work and another that gives a retrospective. Uh, and I think that in giving the retrospective, it strips away your ego and it's about the work that you're performing. So, And it's something that you're sharing with everybody that comes to listen that inspires you. So the whole gig is really about a celebration of poetry and language and community. And the, the thing that I like about the retrospective and that I really... Um, encourage is it doesn't have to be somebody famous mm. you know mm. it just has to be something that speaks to you and something that you really want to share there's a misconception about poetry that poetry is stiff and dead. you know it's when you learn by it in dead sc- old men mm. <laughs> yes and when, when you learn it in school it's it, it, it's 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 very stiff and it's very old school and you have your Shakespeare and you have all your English poets and this sort of thing. But what about Persian and Greek and the Slavic mm. poets? Mm. And there are so many other voices from around the world and African poetry and, you know, I'd like to include all of that, which is why I chose to have the retrospective as well as a local poet mm. doing their own. So in a no, no, in an ordinary poetry perspective night, you'd have two featured poets and one would be reading their own poetry and another person reading somebody else's. Yes. Right. And are there winners on the regular nights? Nobody wins as such because you also have a retro slam where there is a winner. Yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah, the competition yeah. just once a year. Um, and another, another than that, it's just a celebration of poetry. Um, and for the person who is doing the retrospective and who doesn't read their own work, Lish always opens the night by reading one of theirs, so yes. their voice is also heard, which I think is a beautiful aspect of the thing that yes. they do get that little mention. And tom- tomorrow night, actually, uh, we have Lynn Tran performing her poetry and Tyrell Schett, who is my son, mm-hmm. will be reading the work of the recently departed James Jackson um, or James the Beast Jackson, so who is a poet and professional wrestler. So I will be reading something of my son's wow. tomorrow night mm-hmm. and hopefully will not embarrass him <laughs> or anger him by doing, saying the wrong thing. No. As a mother, it should be fine. You'll necessarily really embarrass him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. But hit the, my Twins have been. They've really grown up in the poetry world. world so. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the other great thing too about well, about all the gigs and, and especially well, yours is the uh, the open section. So that, that's when you sort of also hear this incredible diversity of voices and people getting up to just do. So before the features are on or, or, or mixed in with the features, there's always the open section where people can just get up and read something. And again, I find that really amazing because you get people who've never read before or people who are slowly kind of getting into it and you start to know their voice. And yeah, it's yes, really and important. that's why we have the table too because some well, people. Yeah. People will come and they'll listen and they'll think, oh, I could have read tonight. Mm. I, I kind of feel like it now. So the table is there. And on the table we have the Lucky Dip, which is fun because it's better than a raffle. And then we have books from different poets mm. from around the world and to browse. So if you didn't bring something, you, you can, can always pick, pick something yeah. from the table yeah. and read it. 
you know. What if um, what if you're reading other people's poems, but you are not a poet? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I reckon, is that allowed? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's wonderful, and I think to encourage that is really good. And again, that mm. philosophy of of poetry perspective, which is that it's. Of course, you know, as poets, us reading our own poetry is is one aspect of what's important. But yeah, the being part of the community and part of a lineage, and if you're someone who loves to listen and listen to poetry and read poetry, to then get up and share that in front of an audience is exactly. wonderful. Yeah, and we've had people that have never written poetry before yeah. go home and write something and mm. come back and say, "Oh, look!" And not all of them have read it on the night, but they've mm. shown me and said, "Look, look what I, I wrote my yeah. first poem," and I think that's absolutely amazing. Mm. You know, and I know myself, I've learnt things about poets from here in the retrospective and mm. I've heard things that I've never heard before and come across writers that I've never known before. Mm. So you're having fun and you're getting education mm. at the same time. Mm. So both you, Lish and Emily, you both write poetry. Do you, when you're writing, do you think of it as a performative art or, you know, is there a difference between, there's clearly a difference between reading a poem to myself and reading it out loud. What's the difference coming at that idea from as a poet? Well, I I probably sit somewhere kind of in the middle of the spectrum in terms of, you know, I'm using inverted commas here, page poet or spoken word or performance poetry. I really like getting up and performing poetry. I mean, I do come from a sort of a dramatic background, so I enjoy that element of having an audience respond live to what I've done. But I, I don't really, I'm not a slam poet. Like, I don't kind of go into that full-on sort of competitive poetry side, which I love watching and listening to, but it's not kind of quite my style in terms of performing and delivery. But, yeah. Can I just say, first and foremost, you're not a sad poet. I actually think you're a brilliant poet. She's a brilliant poet. And your plays are amazing. And this is why I booked you in Mm. the first place. Um, Because Emily Collier, I say it here on the radio, is a sensation. And you should all buy her books. (laughs) And you should see her plays. plays. And support her. But um, aside from that, I actually felt like the performance in some ways had started taking over the quality of work. Mm -hmm. And that was another reason to start the gig because I love slams and I love performance poetry and I was actually labelled a performance poet when I was young oh, were you? and that, that I found that was yes, oh, yes, okay. yeah when I was young and I was doing a lot of gigs around the place, people would say oh you're a performance poet that didn't have a good connotation then. Right. So, for, and so for me I've had to sort of adjust to the whole idea that now performance poetry and spoken word is amazing. Yeah. So I've, I've always sort of leant towards the page, even though mm-hmm. I love a really good performance. And that's why I wanted to start something like this, because it's incorporating the performance and the work on a little bit more of a balanced level, I think. Mm. Um, and you need to do that when you're reading someone else. You need to really pay attention mm. to what's in front of you, yeah. you know, and const- yeah. Mm. So that's... Yeah, and sometimes you that. yeah, sometimes do read off the page better than others. And I'll be aware when I'm writing some, like some feel like they live better in terms of because they're almost like a visual artifact, and they need to be read on the page because there's something you're doing about the layout of the mm-hmm. text and how it looks. Others feel like they do lend themselves more to to being listened to rather than read, and, and then a lot, of course, can do both and very easily do both. But yeah, I think there is yeah, it's like a sort of a a line, um, and there's, there's yeah, you can sort of be at any point along that line. At any time, yeah. Has has poetry perspective inspired you to write poetry, Matt? Uh, I I think it certainly has. uh, I I didn't understand um, how entertaining poetry was until Lish brought this to us. Um, It's incredibly entertaining and theatrical. And it was interesting what Lish was just saying there about performance 
poetry because a lot of it is um, it, it's a lot more animated um, than I thought, and I've been inspired not only to um, you, you know support this event. Uh, from a venue perspective, but actually get up on stage and read. So that was the first step that I've actually got up uh, on stage and read some of Lisha's work. Been so impressed with Lish as a poet, but also as a performer. Um, uh, Lisha's husband, Paul, also uh, writes incredible poetry, and I've been up there and read a couple of his things. And there's a couple of other poets that come to Poetry Perspective that I've really enjoyed, and, I, and, and I've sort of shown my appreciation by getting up there and reading some of their poetry and i'm still very early learning um and i did get the opportunity to get up there and be one of the feature poets one of the one of the events so i had to write a poem so that lish could read it out <laughs> at the start of the event so that the lish forced me <laughs> yeah. to uh write something and i kind of wrote about the mundane nature of the behind the scenes of a venue uh but it was nice to put that in writing so yeah I, i've been inspired to, to to really really enjoy and love um poetry and, uh, and i thank lish for it yeah yeah that's a great you're a great case study matt in uh, how to convert people to poetry <laughs> which is what poetry perspective seems to be doing We've got to take a break, but um, just before we do that, um, let's listen to one of, to the runner-up of the um, Retro Slam, which we'll talk about when we come back. Um, Lish, do you want to do you want to talk about the runner-up for this year's 2019 Retro Slam? Dr. Denise Chapman, and she gave a passionate performance of Maxine Beniba Clark's "Carrying the World" title. Even if forgot me to 104 Part Three. If your friends want to play with water down there in the park, I don't care how hot it is. Even if it gets to be a 104 degrees, the moment they get out them plastic squirt guns and start filling them up at the fountain, you just run. Don't even stop to explain. You just run, turn round, and run away. Run home to me. Somebody passing by might think that's the real deal. Point it there. Listen here. Black boys got shot for less. If your car break down, even in the middle of the motorway, just leave it right there. Baby, don't you flag nobody down for help. That thing ain't nothing. Just a lump a clever metal anyway. Oh, you love that car? You love it too much to let it go? Then just get your friends and you push it. You push it over to the side of the road. Don't you flat nobody down. Push it all the way home if you got to. It don't matter how your knees buckle or how people on the sidewalk look at you funny. Stairs don't kill. And you hear me? Stairs don't kill. You hear me? Don't you ever flag no other car down. Just help for help. Don't you never flag no other car down. Black boys got shot for less. 
want you coming home every single time, baby. And if you're running home after playing with the water pistols in the park, or after leaving some car that just broke down on you, if you're ever running home and somebody yells, stop. For the love of Jesus, child, just stop. Stop and just put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. Get down on your knees. Don't make no sudden movements. Yes, sir. No, sir. Or better yet, yes, officer. No, officer. Yeah, even then, if you don't mean it. Even if he's got a gun pointed right at you. Especially if he's got a gun pointing at you, baby. Don't you hear me? Don't you hear me now? I don't care how hot it is. Even if it's a hundred and Published or Not has been around for years, but now Jan Goldsmith is joined by David McLean. We will chat about words and writing, authors and audiences, publishers and printing, a voice for them all on 3CR. Published or Not, every Thursday, 11.30 till noon. When you get home, baby, write me a few yard lines. You're with Communication Mixdown, and this week we're talking poetry with the organisers of Poetry Spective, a fortnightly poetry night held at Pride of Our Footscray Bar, Community Bar, and poet and playwright Emily Collier. Just before the break, we heard from Dr. Denise Chapman, who was the runner-up at this year's Retro Slam, an annual event that Poetry Spective has. Lish, can you tell us a little bit about Retro Slam? How, what, what, what sort of night is it? Well, basically... I think the Retro Slam was just meant to be a celebration of poetry in general and getting together, having a good time towards the end of the year and putting together a competition that was, again, retrospective-based instead of just your standard slam. Like, standard slams are great. You know, people come in, they do their own pieces. But I thought, what about a challenge? What about putting on something where people have to read something by somebody else and it's just fun, Mm. you know. And then I thought about it, I thought, okay, prizes. How about a trophy? Trophy for first place Um, and, of course, a paid gig next year. So I made the Discatini trophy. I will make one of those once a year, every year, for as long as Poetry Spective runs. So annually, poets can get together and possibly win a Discatini for a trophy and of course there's things for second and third place and but the main thing is to once a year come together and celebrate somebody else's work in a retrospective style slam and just have fun 
So the yeah. but the retrospective, it seems to me the the emphasis on retrospective that you have at Poetry Slam, both with Retro Slam and with Poetry Perspective generally, um, it sort of uh, emphasizes performance. Is that is that useful as a poet, Emily? Uh, yeah, it is. It is useful as one element, I guess, of of being a poet is to. Um, is to test work in in that live context. I think you learn a lot about your own work, A, by reading in front of an audience, but also by reading other people's work in front of an audience because there's different rhythms and different kind of musicality to different kinds of texts. So, I mean, I, I when I do perform, I usually do one of my own, or but I often do one of someone else's as well. And that's why retrospective is so important because it actually really overtly encourages that. Um, but, yeah, I think performing your work live... Yeah, just as I just said before, teaches you a lot about how it works and how it's kind of impacting an audience. And sometimes you hear the little glitches and little flat moments, and that's sort of painful to do live. But it also then helps you um, refine and uh, improve your own writing processes. Performing your own work is it, is so different to performing somebody else's, and I think that's the exciting thing about it because you get so many different interpretations of one piece Mm. because nobody interprets something Mm. exactly the same. Everybody draws something different from something that they read. So, you know, I might like a poem because it makes me laugh. Matt may like a poem because it has a gay reference and I'm not trying to be cliched here, I'm just saying. And Emily may like something about it because it's slightly philosophical. Mm. So, And she could read a poem and draw out that philosophy mm. and Matt could emphasise sort of the gay side of it and I could be emphasising the humour of mm. the same, the same piece. work. Yeah. 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 And, and I find that really exciting. Okay, yeah. well, let's hear from this year's winner of Retro Slam. This is Tabani Schumer. And the burning cross said, Hey, boy, you ever see the cross snap, crackle, pop, rice crispy into a bowl of flames? I said, you ever see the cross burning? Nah, this ain't no crucifix. I be crucifixion. This ain't... Black skin, this is brown boy bark, I bark, I bite, I burn black, crackle pop. You know, I used to be a proud thing. When I was constructed, I thought they were going to put me up in some church like my mama and my daddy. See, my pops was a pine and my mama was a redwood and they are cross paths in Mount Joy Baptist Church in Jefferson County, Alabama. And, um, <laughs> They used to tell me that my great-great-great-great-granddaddy was an old rugged cross who uh, lived on Calvary. And there was this man named Jesus that was killed on him. And ever since then, people have been looking to my folks as a sign of salvation, which brings us here. To the front yard of Reverend Robert Hughes, July 1959. You know, I didn't want to be burned like this. They told me the reverend was a good man with good intentions. I thought they would hang me up in his church, but the white men in white hoods who constructed me, they don't hang crosses, no. They hang the bodies of poor colored folks on my cousins, my cousin trees who wish their limbs weren't so strong, wish their limbs would just snap under the weight of unwanted passengers instead of being crooked caskets, carrying them closer to God. We don't call my cousin trees 
We don't call my cousin trees killers, no, we call them cursed couriers, forced to bear the burden of strange fruit, forced to beckon forth unwanted burials, you know, sometimes I think it better to be burned. I just die up here, slowly. I strike fear into all who see I be the ultimate contradiction, a raisin in the sun, a dream deferred, a sign of salvation, yet a symbol that it will never come, the brightest light in the darkest circumstances, a burning cross, be black boy watching white supremacists burn his body, his whole being to the ground, you know the harder we fight for freedom, the more of my sibling crosses they burn. In the front yards of desegregated schools and well-meaning individuals, you know what will become of me when the fire has had its fill? Some of me will become ash. I will seep into the soil as my family mourns over my charred remains still. Some of me will become smoke. I will cling to everybody who ever knew me, hoping to remain in their memories still. Some of me will become heat. And like heat, I will rise. I will rise like that man they said they killed on my great-great-great-granddaddy. You know, they say after three days he rose from the dead. And like him, like heat, I will rise. I will rise to the heavens in all my glory. And I just hope that y'all will tell my story. Uh, Tabani seemed to be uh, possessed by all the injustice of 300 years uh, in his performance. It was so strong. And Denise's performance, um, which was about a mother and a son, almost um, had had uh, tears in my eyes. It was so uh, powerful and beautiful. And one of the things that she did well with that poem is her use of silences between some of the lines was just so effective. And you can't do that reading it from the the page she she did that and with, without a lot of rehearsal she did that so naturally and so well and it was just a privilege not only to, to witness all these performances and the performances once the top few are uh, announced in the first round then they have to perform these equal these emotional pieces again a second time they have to be emotionally convincing a second time and it was an incredible effort yes and Brendan Bonzac, who took third place for his rendition of White Hankies by Angela Lapalia, was breathtaking. And, and he read for the second time very differently to the first time. Mm. In the first round, he stood and he, he read with his whole body. And then in the second round, he sat. Um, and Sasha Chua, who was another competitor um, at the Retro Slam, said that they were having a, a little bit of a chair off, you know. And he, he sat in his chair <laughs> with his jewel, as, as, as Sasha put it. And Brendan conducted with his hands as he read. And his voice just kind of filled the room. And he really embodied Angela Pallier's piece. So I wanted to mention that as well because the three place getters, Tabani, um, Denise and Brendan truly deserved mm. those to take that. Yeah, yeah. they were they were absolutely magnificent. 
I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Um, thanks to Lish, Matt and Emily for coming onto the show and making the trek to the studio. Um, we're going to be back for the final communication mixdown of the year at 6 p.m. next fr- next Monday. Um, and to take us out tonight, I've gone with Dolly Parton, mainly because of the name of the song. This is Life's Like Poetry. Until now, there's always been a missing line You know life's too short to hide a good thing you feel And I find the morning after is the best time to determine if it's real Baby, finding you gave my whole world reason around But life's like poetry Until now, there's always been a missing line Life's too short to think about right or wrong And the only thing I wonder about Is where you've been so Been missing love.